I think that second time I had to adopt the mentality of if it's meant to kill me, it's meant to kill me. If it's not meant to kill me, it's meant to teach me a lesson. So what is that? How do I learn it? How do I apply it? And I think that's what kind of kept me pushing. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Dead Talks. It's Aria, not Aria, is it? Aria, yeah, or Ariana, yeah, either way. What do you prefer? Uh, Aria is probably good for this. <laughs> what about in real life? In real life, Ariana. Ariana, yeah. okay. So we have Ariana here. Um, I got introduced through a really good friend. Shout out to uh, Mr. Chris Hallett. Thank you so much mm-hmm. for introducing us. As I mentioned before we got started, it's been a little bit since we first initially spoke and tried to make this happen. So I'm kind of going in with a little bit of a forgetful idea of what your stories are. It's okay. And, uh, and, which I like, actually. I'm happy I blacked <laughs> out a little. You mentioned it's mainly about your you have a few near-death experiences. Mm-hmm. And so when you say near-death, I feel like it goes a few different ways. I may be misunderstanding it. Is there a difference between a near-death where you just nearly die I don't know if those we're going to be talking about, or is it a near death and that you passed and then some weird shit happens? <laughs> For me, it was nearly died. I don't have an experience like where I actually died and had ne- yeah something going on. Nevertheless, so. still a near death experience. So my, yeah. <laughs> I, just, I just want to understand from my, what I'm about to get into. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's more than once. Yeah. Three, three times. Yeah. I Jesus. had terminal cancer twice and then a car wreck. Uh, after that. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Well, you're, I'm happy you're still here smiling. Thank it's you. amazing. Me too. <laughs> it's, a, it's a blessing. Absolutely, yeah. It's fantastic. Every Seriously. moment, yeah. Go, God bless you. So I don't know if you want to start um, in order or however you want to do it. How do, yeah. you, how do you normally tell your story? Yeah. Uh, not from the very beginning. I, once I was a baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I don't care for babies right <laughs> so, now. So, <laughs> so um, I was living in New Mexico growing up there, and I moved out to L.A. when I was 18 for music school. And got diagnosed with terminal cancer like three months into being in school. And um, at that point, they said that I had five years to live with treatment. Um, So I went through chemo and radiation and like 16 different cancer surgeries. And then, long story short, I went into remission for two months and had that mini celebration until it it relapsed. Um, It came into the temporal lobe of my brain through the lymph nodes um, here. So then I was given one year to live. And in that point, there was kind of the choice of trying as much treatment as we could or not. And I decided to kind of take the natural route because if I really did only have a year, I didn't want to spend it feeling like I did on chemo and all that. And I was in full-time music school throughout the whole thing also. So yeah, so I ended up kind of pursuing more natural remedies. And then uh, I became cancer-free. I was five years in remission. Um on my one-year cancer-free date, ironically, I was taking a road trip to go celebrate being cancer-free, and I wrecked myself on a highway. So what's the moral of the story? Don't celebrate things? <laughs> Don't celebrate anything ever. <laughs> um, yeah. So, and that's its own story. I don't know how, how much in-depth you want right now. It's a lot. But. I want all of it, to be honest. I mean, that's, okay. it's, um, I mean, I have so many questions already, but I don't know if yeah. you want to... If you hold my questions or whatnot. Sure, I'll finish the end part. So I wrecked my car, uh, 80 miles an hour cruise control. Um, I passed out in the driver's seat because the elevation was climbing really high and my body doesn't absorb oxygen like a healthy person's does because of my history of cancer. That's their theory, at least. I'm still not a thousand percent sure exactly why I passed out or how that happened. But at 80 miles an hour, I went 
across all of my lanes, across the median, and then across the opposite lanes of traffic and landed on the other side of the highway. And by some miracle, a highway patrolman came about 10 minutes behind me and was like, this is weird. There's an abandoned vehicle here. Um, They were kind of looking for an ejected body or thinking someone left the car because they couldn't see me at all. And one of the workmen that was with him uh, decided to look for a phone or an ID and opened the car door and found me crunched underneath my steering wheel, like in that little section where your pedals are. And I had broken my skull off of my spine. Um, I had to get that reattached. So I have a bunch of hardware in there. And I off of your spine? Yeah. Literally detached. Internal, yeah. Um, internal detachment or decapitation, yeah, is what it's called. So I had a brainstem injury and pieces of my occipital bone um, were stuck in my brainstem. And I had broken all my ribs on my right side by taking the gear shift off with my ribs. So they helicoptered me to Denver Hospital, and Denver Hospital was like, we can't do anything with her. She's probably just not going to make it. So then they helicoptered me to, um, or, or excuse me, they helicoptered me first to Casper Hospital. And then they helicoptered me to Denver. And Denver, there was a surgeon there from Germany, and he saved my life. Fucking Germans. (laughs) Thank goodness. (laughs) For that surgery. Yeah, for that surgery. Yeah, I had to relearn how to walk and talk and uh, do all my motor skills and everything. And that was last year. I crashed in 2020. So I'm one year out of recovery just a few months ago. Oh my God. I didn't realize it was that recent. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you, you look. Attached. Thank you. you Yeah, that was step one, a reattachment. I feel kind of a little bit like an alien. I feel like I'm acting a lot of the time, still getting used to doing things. Um, When you're first learning stuff, it's very much a process. Like everything, you know, you have to put your hand around the bottle, then you lift the bottle to your mouth, and then you drink from the bottle. Like everything is in sequence. And so still sometimes my brain has to think that way about how I move my body. And so... Yeah, it's a little bit nerve-wracking to just pretend to be normal. I mean, you're, I, mean, I, under, I don't understand <laughs> what you, how you feel at all. Um, I just feel like the Grim Reaper is just, all right, well, done with this girl. <laughs> Jesus Christ, you're a dodging death. That, that is, yeah. It's amazing. Thank you. But I feel like that's got to be such a mixed bag of emotions of, I don't know, I don't know what that does to you. Yeah. You know, three times going through the ringer of, Especially being, I mean, the third experience is totally different from being told mm-hmm. you have X amount of days to live. So stop me if you have more that you want to say in regards to what you just told me. But the, even the first or second time that, you know, when you had came back with cancer or had cancer and then came back with cancer, what, where's your head at? Like how, how much of it did you believe that you were going to, did you believe the doctor? How much of it was, I'm going to fight, I'm not going to die? Was there any kind of, what was the dialogue within yourself when they first told you? Yeah. So the first time, honestly, all the emotion emotions were kind of opposite from what you expect them to be. And I feel like you hear this a lot from different cancer patients of like, the only experience a lot of us has is our movies, Hallmark movies, or maybe a family member. My grandma passed from cancer, but that was a very brief experience. And I'm a very emotional person. Like I feel things very deeply, but when I was told, I just went numb. Like I just didn't feel anything. And um, obviously a defense mechanism. And I think I had to work through the kind of the steps of grief for my own self, for my own body. And then when the second time when I was diagnosed was certainly harder and heavier emotionally because I went from the highest high of like, I've just beat cancer, I'm ready to celebrate, and I did it, to, oh, we're back at square one. And 
I think that second time I had to adopt the mentality of if it's meant to kill me, it's meant to kill me. If it's not meant to kill me, it's meant to teach me a lesson. So what is that? How do I learn it? How do I apply it? And I think that's what kind of kept me pushing. Yeah, perspective. Yeah. Yeah, I just mentioned, I literally had another recording remotely today and I referenced for anyone, I don't know what order the episodes are come out. I'm sorry for referencing the, the show The Leftovers again. Have you watched that? No. I, it's been around for a while. My buddy just told me about it. I don't know what the hell is going on. But there was a scene, again, which is so relevant to what you're saying also in regards to perspective of what you're going through. And there was one quick little scene talking about you can either choose to see this experience as, you know, with anger or with resentment or, or just negative attitude towards something happening to you. Like, will you be mm-hmm. angry because this is happening to me or sad? Or will you look at this with the idea that this is supposed to teach me something and maybe it's a blessing at the end of the day mm-hmm. some in some weird, sick way? Yeah. And you chose to see the path that I'm, I, you didn't really pick one, but you also – maybe it sounds like you did, but you chose to see it as a other – like this, you know what, maybe I'm going to learn something from this. Yeah. And is that something that you said that's something that you hung on to? Yeah, I think so. And I think it's so important to go through all of those feelings to get to that place. Like people say that to me a lot. Well, how are you positive all the time? Or how did you just have such a good perspective about it? And I'm like, I didn't. I went through all of the stages, all of the anger and being pissed off and grieving and being sad. And, you know, why the heck did this happen to me to be able to get to the place of acceptance and, okay, I'm going to learn something. Because I think sometimes we try to just run through all that and be like, I need to be positive. But then we're not dealing with our emotions and it kind of, yeah. So you had to work through it. Caves in, yeah. And did you always think like that in regards to knowing you had to work through it? Or was it, um, no. did you ever try to like <laughs> shove it away? Uh, yeah, a yeah. thousand percent. Especially, um, I'm surrounded by a lot of really positive people, which is great. But when you're going through something that needs to be dealt with and the gravity of it needs to be dealt with. It's hard to hear all the time, oh, but you're going to be okay. Stay strong. You're a fighter kind of thing. Um, You're a fighter. And and so we're like, keep fighting. You're like, thanks, I have to or I'll die. Yeah, for real. (laughs) Thanks for the advice, jackass. Yeah. But I get what they're saying. It's it's like the the intention is there. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, you have to to go at your own pace. And I definitely was – uh, that person that was always positive and, you know, just that's okay. Like I'll learn a lesson from it. And as an adult have, you know, obviously had to learn you get there by actually dealing with it and not just pretending it will go away. I mean, how does that carry with you now that you've beaten cancer twice? Um, is there anything in the back? Like, Cause since it happened twice, how do you release the fact that it came back? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like obviously God forbid, and I, I'm sure you're going to be fine, but like what is that thought? Is that, is that yeah. linger in the back of your mind? How do you get over something like that? Definitely. Relapse is a real fear and a lot of people have it. And I, yeah, it's something I used to be scared of all of the time. And I think it's again, a perspective shift of going from, I don't know if I can deal with this again, that's terrifying to, well, I've beat it twice, which means I have the tools, I have the strength, I have the things I need that if I were to get diagnosed again, I could do it again. And I've seen that twice. I have proof of that. Um, and whether or not that's true, it would help me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? So what's your opinion on the fact when someone, a doctor, tells you you have X amount of times to live and you beat it twice? Yeah. Does that give you less faith in doctors? Or that, what, what is that? No. I get People ask me that a lot of like, well, then the doctors are bad or wrong. But no, it's like, I'm not you know, saying that either. No. Just, you know, yeah, yeah. yeah. They made the most informed decision that they possibly could. Right. And – I just chose to not believe them. 
And then that's my own thing. But, that, but that's what I'm trying to get at because I believe in the power of the mind as corny as that sounds. Yeah. But that is like when you hear, I, I feel like I've heard you hear it pretty often. I don't know how often, but when like an old uh, senior citizen or someone late in their life loses a partner for multiple times, that partner nearly dying shortly after. Mm-hmm. And, and you could chalk it up to coincidence, but I think it's a, a, a point of literally giving up and losing meaning in life or something of the sort. And that goes back to your perspective and what's going on up here. So I, I, I believe in that idea that how you're perceiving it again and what your mental aptitude is can have a tremendous effect on that. Yeah. That's why absolutely. I think it's really, that's why if you can doubt, you doubt the doctor in some ways in, in a strong enough way that you might not even be realizing at the time. It could clearly defeat something that you did. I have to. Yeah. I have to believe that is you did it twice. <laughs> yeah, you did it twice. Thank you. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, and I think too, like not believing them, but also just trying everything you can. And I've learned in being more public about my story, sharing my story more, especially online. There is so much black and white of like natural med, only only natural medicine or only Western medicine, and I get flack from both sides. And I'm like, I went through the Western medicine thing. I've tried the natural medicine thing. If you're told that you have a year to live or you're going to die, why wouldn't you try absolutely everything? Right. And it so depends on your location too. You know, in America, it's much more heavily immersed in Western medicine and everywhere else people are like, oh yeah, you did it naturally. Cool. Yeah. My cousin did too. It's like very normal. It's um, normal elsewhere. Yeah. Right. But not in America. Yeah. Right, so yeah. I think that's a big piece of just try everything that you can. And it's so easy when you think of a doctor, you know, the education that they have over us, which is something obviously to be respected and listened to. But at the same time, I think it puts people into fear a little bit sometimes where they're like, well, if you say I'm going to die, then that's it. And I'll be all, so I might as well not try anything else. Right. And yeah, I wish there was a study, if there's not already, about some kind of, like how many of the people that have passed to cancer mm. or any kind of terminal illness and what their mentality was. And like the people that did have, the percentage of people that have beaten it and the people that haven't, like if there was some way to understand what they're, if they had similarities to what you were thinking or people that just said like, you know what, I only have a year to live. I'm just going to let it take me and just enjoy life. Like yeah. I wonder how many, if there was a way to study that. I don't know, I'm just going on my, that was probably thoughts I should have kept in my head, but I was just speaking out loud. (laughs) That could be a thing, absolutely. And I think, and I've also seen it the other way. You know, I've had friends who have fought just as hard, if not harder than I did and still passed, you know? And And it's just, you just don't know. And that's the thing, I wonder, even though, like you can, you can fight, you can be a fighter. Like for instance, you go into a boxing ring, I'm going to, I'm going to give it my all. I'm going to fight this motherfucker who's, I'm going to fight Mike Tyson. I'm going to, I'm going to give him a fight (laughs) of his life, but deep down, you know, you're not going to beat Mike Tyson. Yeah. So I, there's two different ways, two different ways of going into a fight. Like you, could, you know, you're gonna fight. Like for instance, I'm gonna go fight Mike Tyson. That's a terrible example because I won't even <laughs> survive stepping into the ring. But if I'm an actual fighter going to fight Mike Tyson, he has that like dominance over the his opponent. Yeah. And you just like deep down, like I'm not gonna beat this guy, but I'm gonna I'm gonna try. Mm-hmm. But I think there's a difference between trying to fight Mike Tyson and believing, believing you're gonna you fight will. Mike Tyson. A you thousand know what I mean? percent. So I just wonder, and I'm to diminish anyone that has lost someone to cancer. I've can't, like, you know people like that in my family but sometimes I just wonder to dive into those tough conversations and wonder even the cause of cancer that's like there's so many different schools of thought about the cause of cancer Mm -hmm. and if you don't mind me being so like upfront about this kind of topic I I spoke to a guy named Bruce Lipton who's a biologist gets his slack but he's someone that says you know cancer is preventable in a sense of it comes from periods of stress this and that it's Mm -hmm. not always just a roll the dice 
And I just wonder how have you ever do you ever put a shift in perspective of how the cancer came about? Is there Gary, how you find that, or if you can, but is that a question that you've asked of how you got the cancer? Yeah, 100%. I think it absolutely our minds affect our bodies all the time. And I absolutely think that I was dealing with a lot of childhood trauma. And I don't think it's a coincidence that the moment I moved away from home and from that trauma, I got cancer. And it was like, hey, you need to learn how to take care of yourself, how to ask for help, how to deal with self-love, how to mm. find that, and you need to do it now. Right. Um, and I don't think that that's a coincidence, that timing at all. Oh, it's a relief that you said that because I hate bringing that up to, <laughs> I hate, I hate bringing that up to people that like are, like I have conversations with friends that was so-and-so got cancer and I like, I tried lightly because I don't want to force course, thing, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. It's a sensitive topic, so I got to feel the crowd out. But my belief in what I've heard and studied and from a very average Joe, not knowing what the hell I'm talking about position, that what I've learned from a guy like Bruce and and from other people that are way more intelligent than I am, how their belief in the studies through science is that it does come from a, most cancers and most diseases that we get shouldn't happen. Mm-hmm. And obviously there's a percentage of people that are just truly born biologically defected and you, that's, that's, that's not, that's happens. Yeah. But it is a low percentage of parent according to what he's saying. And that a lot of it stems from, from stress or from trauma, from experiences that we don't truly release or deal with or hash out that are subconsciously implanted. Mm-hmm. And then it's kind of terrifying and frustrating. So I think it's easier to believe, Oh, it's got the, it sucks. Yeah. We got the shit end of the stick and this mm-hmm. has happened to me. But if we're able to massage out X, Y, Z that's happened early in our life, whether it's stress or certain experiences or trauma, it can be prevented, but it's hard to pinpoint it sometimes, you know? Mm-hmm. And then how do you tell someone that that's already going through cancer? Yeah. But I, I think it is preventative in a sense that if we can just truly learn to live a type of life that, oh God, it's just, but it's fucked up. You know, <laughs> it's fucked up at the same time to even say that. But yeah. I mean, I think, I think even taking the disease out of it, it's like that's, well, for myself personally, it's like, that's like everything in life, you know, like you lose a job or you lose friends. And I used to hold on to that and be like, oh my gosh, like the world is against me or this is an awful thing that I've been dealt. And in reality, it's like, hey, uh, the universe or God or whatever you may or may not believe in, like it's removing those things from your life. That's on purpose because you are growing further. And it's the same thing with cancer. It's like, this is meant to teach you something, you know, but when you're faced with that, it's so frustrating. And sometimes because I love that you're just saying what's on your mind. I think that death is included in that. Death is absolutely included in that, which is why in my mindset, I was like, if it's meant to kill me, it's meant to kill me. And if the meaning of that was because it was supposed to help my dad a lesson for him or help the friends around me or, you know, whatever it may be, that is what it's supposed to be. And I didn't feel it was. I felt it was something else for myself, but also had to have that acceptance of like, all right, this is going to be whatever lesson it's supposed to be. But if I... If it is that I need to implement something and share it, then I need to do that. Do you have a religious background or belief system? I do not. But my dad my dad kind of raised me as like, here, come to all of these churches and all these different places of worship and like see That's what cool. you like and educate yourself. And yeah, so I, I call myself spiritual. Like I definitely believe in a higher power. And You're spiritually eclectic. Eclectic, yeah. <laughs> I like that. I just love that word eclectic. So <laughs> I say but I definitely, yeah, I absolutely believe in something bigger and I'm more like a manifestation energy kind of person but I feel like so is everybody and religion in is kind of the same thing all around we're all talking about the same thing in different languages I feel yeah, like yeah I remember so my another homie Salim <laughs> yeah oh I know for Chris yeah yeah one of the greatest oh, people. they're all the greatest love people him like, so much. in the world yeah. I love them all <laughs> I had a conversation with him about just religions in general and he was like the same, they're all saying the same motherfucking thing mm-hmm. 
in different ways. <laughs> Obviously, there's some exceptions and 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 you know spectrums to it, but yeah. a lot of them are telling the same story in different ways. And they whether it's like they believe in something, this is a different name, or the story might be a little different. But a lot of time, we're all kind of saying the same thing, and I feel like we're all kind of spiritual in our in our own sense. Mm-hmm. So. I I don't know. And the ask, the reason I asked that is you're saying what's meant to be. So I was curious where that belief system comes from. Yeah. And you know, clearly it's comforting in yeah. some way. You know what I mean? It is. Yeah. And I think I mean I think that I do have a purpose here, and we are we have pur- all of us have purposes. Yeah. I don't know necessarily what that is or where it stems from. I would love to know. I don't think I ever will. You know, and that's kind of part of the beauty of it. But yeah, the mystery is, is is terrifying to a lot of people. People fear what we don't know. Hence, why people I think a lot often fear death. Yep. Um, but it's fun. It's interesting. I try to find meaning. Maybe this is a lesson for someone else or for something. And whatever it is, my buddy dropping a lot of shout outs to really good friend people in my life. <laughs> but Mister uh, Mister Zito is another person that is has a uh, you know a more religious background. He's a professor in theology, and I remember I don't know how old we were. We were maybe in high school. We're in the car. I think I was dropping him off. And he mentioned, somehow it came up about what I went through with my dad. And he said something of the sort about, he referenced something in the Bible. I'm, I can't quote that shit, but something of the sort, like I, I had carried that burden for others to realize. And Mm. he was saying it in a very nice way that I'm not really the best at taking compliments or however he was trying to explain it about like I went through this experience for other people to realize what I went through because it, it was a very impact it definitely was clear I saw it visually how impactful what my family went through and other families in the area through 9/11 because it was so public so it was hard to hide mm-hmm. and people were affected by that I remember I saw one of my friends cry right in front of me during like the service a while after we knew my dad wasn't coming back and I was like shit like I saw my friend who's a guy besides all the girls that were crying had that impact through what happened to me and you just never know because sometimes you don't have those conversations with people the impact that your experience can have on someone else. And he was explaining, you know, like, you know, maybe you got to carry this burden for other people to realize. But I've also spoke to people that are like, that's bullshit. I don't want to hear that shit. <laughs> I carry this, this burden for you guys. That's why I'm, my so-and-so died. So yeah. it's like, it's all how you look at it. Yeah, it really is. I feel that way a lot that like my purpose here is to turn people's fear into love. And it's like, however I do that, through sharing my story, through music, through personal relationships, whatever it is. and But I think that someone asked me that the other day because I get asked so, so often, it's the number one question, like, what did this change about you or how did it change you? And I was having a conversation with a friend, like really down to earth personal one, not like, yes, use your traumas as your strength, which is like my usual MO, but like really actually how I feel about it. And I said, honestly, I think this has helped everyone else around me so much more than it has ever helped me. And I have still a hard time coming to terms with that of like, okay, cool. Well, I'm helping everybody else, but like, when is my Mm. thing or when is my gift coming or when is my time, you know, which is just the ego. Um, But I really do think sometimes that is the case. Like it helps so many people to see that and see someone go through that. And it makes them feel like, oh, well, she, if she did that, I can deal with this thing that may seem lesser, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's the big basis on why we're talking right now. I, you know, besides, yeah. What I've learned, which is great to hear, which I didn't even think about it when I started this, about how therapeutic it can be for me and the, my, the person speaking. But, you know, it's it's to share your story, to hear other people learn through you. And I've always been a a believer in learning through other people's experiences. There's nothing like getting thrown in the fire and experiencing yourself. That's as real as it gets. But there is a lot of lessons through other other people's mistakes, other people's successes. Like even looking at like my sister's relationship with their husbands, like I can see the beauty of it, and uh, I, and that I try to apply that in my other in relationships that I have. Even though I haven't experienced it, I can see that. 
whether it's I'm just relating to other examples outside of loss, but yeah, there is a lot of lessons that people you what you can get through other people if you're aware enough for that. Mm-hmm. Some people just see it and not think don't think about it. Yeah. So back the importance of perspective, I think there's a clear importance of awareness. I think that's what consciousness is. That's what consciousness is. It's a, it's a level of awareness, and we have to be more. We have to be more aware. And that is like, that's how, you, how you're going to absorb and learn. If you're not aware and cognitive of, people can hear your conversation, but they're not listening. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's the Oof, level of awareness. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm kind of going backwards right now, but uh, what, what were the the second time you you'd heard you had cancer? Mm. What path did you take? So you said you took a more homeopathic? Yeah. I always preface with I'm not promoting anything. I can't cure cancer. This is <laughs> this not financial this, or this, physical <laughs> health advice. This is just what I use. No, yeah. I did not lick tree bark and <laughs> <Okay>. take... <laughs> you didn't take you didn't go to ayahuasca? I didn't, no. Okay. Although it, it might have helped. I don't know. Maybe. Um, yeah. So I had... Uh, uh, yeah, I kind of adopted that different mindset. And then um, I started looking at my body in a way of like how to create an environment where cancer cells couldn't live. And so I started researching like alkalinity and pH levels of the blood and the body and oxygenation. And um, it's said that cancer cells have a really hard time growing and multiplying in an environment that's alkaline and oxygenated. So I just tried to create that environment in my body, like via different water, different exercise patterns, mainly food, cruciferous veggies, like all of these things. And it really helped. It really minimized everything and the cells decreased and decreased every scan. And again, it's something that I feel like in America, people are like, it's this huge miraculous thing. You cured your own cancer. And a lot of people outside the country are like, yeah, that's pretty much it. Like take care, take care of your body. And But I, I was always very healthy. My dad's like very natural, like health food guy. Um, so it wasn't like I was you know, eating awful. It was just being more conscious about that and just looking at the science of it. And again, doesn't work for everybody. And I also could have just eaten a bunch of kale and got really lucky. (laughs) And so so on the second, when you took that turn, what was the difference of mental, what was your different perspective or mentality from the first time to the second time? Was there, was there a difference? Oh, I think the first time the treatment plan was more set out for me and it was like, okay, well, we think you probably have about five years, but if you have chemo and you have surgeries and you have radiation and all these things, like, you will, there's a better prognosis. And the doctors kind of just set it out for me. And also because it was the first time I'd ever been hit with that, I was like, yeah, okay, whatever. Like, just fix it. Yeah, yeah, I was 18. I was like, I don't, I'm a kid. So damn, 18. um, Yeah. And um, just moved to LA and like figuring, I don't know who I was. So yeah. And versus the second time, you know, I kind of had some experience under my belt and was like, all right, well, you're telling me I'm going to die in a year and maybe that's true. But if I really only have a year, then like, hell yeah, I'm going to try everything I can. Did you have the second, since you like, I beat it once kind of thing, that help at all? Yeah. Or did it scare the shit out of you? Well, both, definitely both. The, The beginning part of it was just like absolute depression and sadness. And I was like at the lowest low because it was so different from learning the first time just kind of came out of like a general base feeling versus learning the second time came from, oh my God, I just beat cancer. This is awesome to immediately like, no, just kidding. You have a year after this whole fight that you've done. Yeah, the ebbs and flows of that, I feel like it has shock value at those baselines, you know, Ugh, at the, at the yeah. precipice and also the base. It's like, that's got to, those are trauma points as well. Yeah. It's like trauma checkpoints. I'm always interested in from you from your as an artist standpoint, as have these experiences helped your lyrics? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <For sure. laughs> 
sure. Yeah, they uh, always, you know, I we always say like we don't write anything good when we're happy. It's true. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that's why I think Eminem fell off a little bit. Even <laughs> Eminem is still a lyrical genius. I don't care what you say about his music, but he's still a lyrical genius. Anyway, yeah, go on. <laughs> it's like no, I have to stay sad <laughs> and sick and single. Like, don't be happy. Don't be it <laughs> because your music's gonna suck. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but no, I I think. Um, Honestly, I've started writing some like more happy stuff, inspirational stuff, because I'm trying, because I know listening to that music helps me. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, Ariana, for yeah. the people. <laughs> but for me, for my catharsis, always sad. Yeah. But yes, it's the lyrics have gotten much better. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like art in general stems from a lot of art, not all of it, obviously, stems from a fucking deep, dark place. Mm-hmm. That's where a lot of the greatest art comes from. And that's why I wonder how many, why that translates to so many amazing artists passing and should happen at a young age. Yeah. They see someone like Ozzy Osbourne who just injects himself with whatever. I don't really inject, I didn't mean to say that. But he partied hard and he's like still kicking. So you wonder how the hell that happens. Yeah. I don't know. So how do you feel about everything today? Like throughout your experiences and like what's your perception of life? It's a deep question, but, or even death in that sense. Like what is your perception of, the fragility of life or your fear of death. Yeah. I, it's not even one question. Um, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I feel uh, I'm definitely not afraid to die. I'm definitely not afraid of death. I'm definitely not afraid of pretty much anything in life anymore either. And I don't say that in a boastful way. I just say that in like I used to be scared of a lot of things. And it's changed I think a lot of how I live and how I experience things, I don't wait for things anymore. If I want something, I say it. I always am direct. I always communicate. I go after what I want and so much less worried about what everybody thinks of me um, because we truly just don't have time. We, ju- <laughs> we just don't. And I think that with cancer, it was a, it's, it's a slower burn, at least from my experience. It was like a very slow thing. But the crash, because it too is so recent and was so immediate, it was like created an urgency around my life. People don't have an urgency around their life. And it's like, well, this thing can wait or I'll tell this person whenever, I'll fix this thing whenever. It's like, you could literally walk out your door right now and die. Mm. And I didn't realize that really truly until I got in that wreck um, because it was just so instantaneous. And I will say the moment before, every time I've had that experience, whether it was a loved one or myself, when you're kind of on that precipice of like thinking you might pass or being told you might pass, you think you're going to be scared and the ego is scared, but it is the most peaceful experience. And I've heard other people say that too. And it's so true. You have all of this fear in you, but then when it's at that moment, it's like, it's all okay. It's all just nothing matters. It's just complete peace. So that's what I have to say about that. Yeah, no, that's what I have to say about that. <laughs> yeah, no, it. no, that was, was fantastic. It's, um, yeah, it's a perspective that I can't even fathom. I don't even know what that's like. But, I mean, it's crazy. We just focus so much time on the cancer, which is enough in itself. But to have an experience like where you're told you're going to, you know, you're, you're going to die, and then you have an experience that's so sporadic, the two contradict, they're literally like the opposite sides of the spectrum. And I have that conversation here all the time about people that have, they know something's going to happen or it's happening through disease or whatever and then something abrupt like what happened to my dad or, or whatever it might be and so that's a total I don't want to say that's more impactful I won't curious what you think about it but when something happens completely out of nowhere even though being told you have cancer that, that's obviously out of nowhere but then you have like a lingering time or something like you experience just like a snap of the finger 
I can imagine how much that's even more of like a, a wake up call besides the fact that you've already experienced what you experienced. So it's wild that it's like someone knew that, okay, she needs one more, one more right hook and then she'll, fi- and then she'll figure this shit out. <laughs> and now she's really going to start living. hundred percent. Yeah. Needed to, yeah. Blow my butt off the freeway. It was like, all right. Yeah, it's Get crazy. It and it, yeah, it wasn't even drinking and driving. It was like just no. another freak fucking yeah. thing. And they still, it, there's still such a, I'm like so careful where I talk about it, but. Um, no, don't be careful. I just, I don't, I don't believe them, okay? I don't believe that I passed out from elevation because I've driven from here to where I'm from, Santa Fe, New Mexico, and that's 7,000 feet elevation. I have never had a problem. And that was like 10 years of cancer and oxygen problems and before. So what do you like, think it is? I don't know. I have no idea. I think it was like a higher power thing that was like, this needs to happen right now. And whether elevation or my oxygen level was a part of it that made it happen. But even the fact that like when I hit the median, which is what broke my neck, like the only reason I didn't break everything in my body was because I was passed out. And you just loose? Yeah. Like why drunk drivers, it's kind of a similar thing. They thought that I had a stroke because half of my face was like drooped down how a stroke um, victims is. No sign of a seizure? No. Um, But what they realized was because I had pieces of bone in my brainstem was why that happened. Sorry. (laughs) No, I'm just me, not you. (laughs) Why that happened. But yeah. So I I don't know. There could be a million things. Um, Chris (laughs) thinks that it was maybe an alien abduction. Of course he does. <laughs> uh, we talked about that a lot. Uh, Alien abduction, they just drops you off the side <laughs> well, of the road? Like, just because how I was found, he, he's, he's always like, it just doesn't make sense. It just looks like some aliens were like, yeah, I don't know, this goes here and this probably goes here. And like, I don't know. Let's, they like, picked you up, oh, wrong girl. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just drops you off the other side of the highway. Honestly, at this point, I'm like, maybe. Um, <laughs> but I needed it. Oh man, I needed it so bad. And my dad called my best friend whose house I was on the way to and you know, obviously she was upset and he goes, you know, Ariana, and you have to have faith because you know her and you know that in a little while she's going to call you up and she's going to tell you that it's the best thing that's ever happened to her. And it was probably more so to comfort her. But then (laughs) a few months later, I called her and said that she starts bawling. I don't understand why. And she's like, yeah, your dad said that you would say that. And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. And that's how you see it. it. Yeah, absolutely. Are you kidding me? I don't, I, oof, the amount of energy I used to expend on people, on toxicity, on second-guessing myself, on worrying if other people liked me, on worrying if I was handling situations correctly. I had all of these toxic friend groups kind of blowing up, and so many people left me during the crash. And it was like, hey. What, What does that mean? Why? Like people that just exited my life because people don't like to be faced with other people's trauma, nonetheless their own. And it just made me realize because I'm the person that I'm always like, oh, is it my fault? Like, what did I do? And I realized, like, I'm dying in a hospital bed. There's literally nothing I could have done oh, yeah, to you. No. This is clearly a you problem, yeah. which helped me kind of create how I interact with other people, where I give 100% of my energy to people who are the life and death supporter kind of people, half of my energy to the people that have that intention but haven't learned how to do it yet, and absolutely none of my energy to the people that are innately selfish, and meaning I don't even try to fix stuff anymore. I don't. Um, I used to worry about that so much. Like, I need to fix it or I need, you know, obviously I'll communicate and try to fix if there's an issue. But if something just isn't working or if someone is placing blame on you that isn't yours to carry, it's just not worth it. It's just not worth it. You choose, and that was the most powerful thing, like you choose where you put your time and energy. 
and everyone else's actions are a reflection of them, as cheesy as it sounds, and yours are a reflection of you. So I would be pouring my energy into this toxicness being like, why am I surrounded by so many toxic people or I'm being treated so badly? It's like, yeah, Ariana, look inside. You're giving them energy. Take that, start putting it towards the people that are loving you well, and you're going to feel more loved. <sighs> God, I need that. <laughs> so fucking true. <laughs> yeah. And, I, and, and don't get me wrong. I still... I still have problems with it all the time. Uh, but, you know, it's a thousand percent better than it used to be. Yeah, you get better at it. I think like, it, people are like, you reach eternal happiness. But it's mm. like, no, even the people that are most happy, you're still going to have your run through the mill and you, you just get better at it. Yeah, they're always Shorten growing. those time periods of misery. Yes. That's what I think it is. I think it's kind of like, maybe I, I've said this before, but you maybe you just you're pissed off for long, for like, and a week, and then all of a sudden it's like a day, two days, and all of a sudden maybe it might take 10 minutes for you just to release that shit. I'm like, I'm good. Just <laughs> that, like, that's little... what I say to people at my past relationships. I'm like, well, it took me a shorter and shorter time to realize the toxicity of this. Yeah. Uh, which is yeah. progress. Yeah, it's fucking progress. And it's, I, don't, I don't know. And then I, fuck, I had a thought and I think I forgot about it. What was it? It was something, what were we just talking about before? Like, like three thoughts ago. Oh, that's not going to help. <laughs> <laughs> exactly three. I, I, it's, it's funny because when I have these conversations, I, I would think one thing I don't want to do is think about what I'm going to say next because I want to be honed in on what the person's yeah. saying, and I feel like that's part of my duty of being where I'm at right now. <laughs> and then I, and like, but what we're talking, about, I got to let it go. Whatever the thought was, maybe it'll come back, yeah. or maybe it wasn't that important. Yeah. So I don't know, but I think you've. It's crazy how where you are right now, considering what you've gone through, and I, I don't know. I, I always wonder if you put someone else in your position, if someone else would handle it the same way, or they, everyone would still be somewhere different. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, it's it's amazing to see the perspective that you have. I don't even. Just the first time we're really talking, first time I'm seeing you in person, <laughs> yeah. and this um, I guess. How do you? I hope people have the awareness to listen to a story like yours, including myself, not my story, including myself, of listening to what you said, and have the awareness to take that and use it. Because I've said many times, I've said recently, how like a tragedy or a significant occurrence in your life can be the biggest educator into mm -hmm. shifting your perspective and shifting how you live your life and shifting your path in a positive way that I don't want people to wait for an experience like that or wait for tragedy to make their realizations. And that's why I believe in the importance of this conversation to share your story so people can learn through you, like we said before, and apply the lessons that you've learned and yeah. take it wherever they need to take it. Don't take everything, even though I think they should take everything. But I just hope people can take it and run with it. And I, I feel like there's always temporary inspiration in life that we get these we see a video, mm. we get jolted. Oh my god, I'm gonna do this, and tomorrow we get back into the same shit. So it's it's a blend of taking what you just said and really and really letting that sit. So I feel like listening through conversations like this, like I need to like sit on what you said, let that shit marinate. So I can run with that as opposed to just being inspired right now. I'm sitting across from you and then <laughs> and then for not forgetting it, but like getting sucked into the loop of life yeah. of all this other bullshit. I love that. Do you ever struggle with is that you ever still like for not forget, but momentarily disengage from what you've experienced where you get back into the same loop of bullshit of what doesn't really matter and what's trivial? Mm -hmm. And you have to be like, oh, wait a minute. Yeah. This is what I went through. I have to remember that. All the time. Yeah. How do yeah. we, just gonna, how do we <clears throat> not, I don't want to, we yeah. don't want to break that. I guess this is life. Is that just part of yeah. it? Yeah. I think it is. It. I think it's that, you know, I had a good probably year post crash of just every day being in awe, living in what I call radical amazement. And I would just, you know, touch my legs. Radical and amazement. That sounds like something Chris would say. You guys <laughs> yeah. are no Chris, but I think yeah. he's coming on the podcast at some point. <laughs> so <true>. anyway. <laughs> um, but I'd like touch my legs and like just start crying because they worked. And oh, wow. just like these tiny little things. And then 
you know, I'm a human. So as I started getting back into life and work and all these things, like I, um, yeah, absolutely you lose it. And it's so easy to get wrapped up in like these trivial things. And I think what you said is so important of like, there's this big inspirational piece, but not everybody has lived all of the mellow drama that I've lived. And they think, well, I just have like these little problems. And what I always say is all problems are valid. And my worst day is my worst day. Your worst day is your worst day. It's not a competition. My pain doesn't invalidate someone else's. And I think putting it, whatever I've said, whatever hits into digestible little pieces and actionable pieces is something that helps you not lose it. That's what helps me me remind myself of the things that I've been through is like, the certain things that I have in my routine, the certain reminders that I write down, because I still, even though being the person who went through it, have to re-remind myself every day. Yeah, that's part of life. We kind of think we just have natural ADD. And also, we don't have to get into it, but like one thought about what something that you've gone through like that, there is so much of an impact to the people around you. I know we talked about positive, but even though you're the one that went through it, like you're, I don't know how close you are with your family, we don't have to get in that depth, but like your friends, your family that do love you, how much that affects the people around you. Oh my God. You yeah. I mean? That's a whole nother conversation. Ugh, of, like, yeah. You're the one that experienced it. Yes. And it's always like, that's, the, that should be the focus. And that's the focus of this conversation. Cause you know, you took the brunt of it, but that recoil of your experience of the people around you. Yeah. That affects them not only immediately, but for the rest of their life as well. So it's like, it's such a, life is just such a ripple effect of, of events. There's like the butterfly effect. I don't know if that's the right thing I'm saying. But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's like that. It's like the literally waves of energy that just affect everyone in its path. And it's we're all and those people yeah. are all dealing with it. Even the loss that I felt that affected my brother-in-law's family. It affected my friends. It all it affects everyone, like especially that cares for you. So it's like Yeah. Where you go through the brunt of it, of course, and you know, you're the the core, the eye of the storm. But um, you know, there's so many other people that do get affected by grieving essentially grieving you absolutely and you're yeah. still here thank god but like yeah imagine hearing your daughter your your or son whoever is gonna die it's like yeah and i will the podcast yeah and i will say that 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 side being hearing everything that i've gone through that side is always will always be a thousand times harder than what i've been through and i say that with experience as well like f- very shortly, but four months into my own recovery, my dad had a brain bleed and he's still recovering from that. And I had to jump in a car, relearn how to drive and go save him and do this whole thing. And it was the first time ever after putting him through a decade of my health stuff that it was switched. And it it was the hardest thing I've ever been through was my dad going through that. And absolutely, it's the people on the outside because you want to help. You want to do everything that you can and you're completely helpless. At least you feel a semblance of control when you're in it. I you was, know? That's what I, I feel like you take that so that you have less control. I mean, you have less control. Mm-hmm. It's just like, I can't, I can't do anything. I can't yeah. do anything. That's crazy. Incident, a brain bleed? Is that what you said? Yeah. Oh yeah. my God, you have such dramatic, there's so many I know. dramatic it's, names. It's, it's, internal like an, decapitation. it's like an episode of Grey's Anatomy. I know, Jesus I know. Christ. <laughs> Look, I too would love it to not, <laughs> to not, to not know these words, but fucking life just smacks me in Yeah. Well, I mean, it's amazing to uh, have shared this space with you. It's just mm-hmm. an incredible story. And, um, you know, you got to keep, you got to keep telling this shit because the more people it touches, the more I think hopefully it'll grab people by the balls or whatever you, whatever you got down there, you know? Yeah. Um, so I do want to thank you for being on here. Yeah. You're incredible. I'm really happy to have connected with you. Thanks. And aside from that, is there anything you want to share in regards to yourself? A, you can just 
mic drop it, whatever the hell you want to say, or if you want to <laughs> plug in anything you got going on in music or life that you want to have people find you if you do or not find you. Um, there... Yeah, just I'm music by Aria on all of the interwebs. And uh, if you want to listen to heart-wrenching music, I'm on Spotify. And I also make videos like trauma healing videos. So if you feel that that would help you, also that. And thank you for doing what you do. This is so important and people are so scared to talk about this stuff. So thank you. Well, thank you for not being scared. It's important. So <laughs> yeah. guys, thank you so much for tuning in to another one. I have to be better at saying this, but if you did make it this far on the episode, uh, can you just like, if you like the episode, just write a review for me and make sure it's good. And if it's bad, don't write it. <laughs> no, but for real though, thank you for tuning in. Subscribe, follow me, all that shit. And uh, thank you for sharing this space with us. And until next time, another episode of Dead Talks. Ciao.